The Lord can heal any sickness, disease, and or condition. He can take care of any need. He can overcome any power. He can cast out demons. He can bring freedom to the captive. He can even raise the dead. The Lord is the Almighty. That is one of his traits as the God he is. He does care for us, but as long as it does not interfere with the bigger picture for our own well-being and the well-being of others. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about the greatest miracle of all. Most people need some sort of problem resolved. There are people that have sicknesses and diseases. There are people that are poor. There are people that are suffering. There are people that are dying. Most, if not all of us, have some sort of issue that we need God's help with desperately. But despite all of that, there's a greater issue that requires attention, a greater miracle that the whole world needs. We all need the greatest miracle of all. Today's message is inspired on the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, from verse 21 to chapter 16, verse 4. Let us go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, mighty God, merciful God, I praise you, I worship you, I bless you, Lord God. May you be exalted above all things, for you and you alone are worthy of all praise, of all glory, of all honor, forever and ever. For you and you alone are God, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you thanks, O Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your grace, for your love, for all the things that you show to us at every moment, Lord God. Heavenly Father, please forgive our sins. Please forgive our wrongs. Please forgive our rebellions, Lord God, our hardness of heart. I pray, O Lord, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you may always remember us in your mercy and in your grace, that we are nothing without you, O Lord God. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, I pray that you may please guide us, that you may please enlighten us, that you may please help us to value that which is truly, Lord God, worth all. Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, to be able to value you above all things, and especially, Lord God, to take into consideration the wonderful things that you have done for us. I give you thanks and to you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today's key passage reading can be found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, starting from verse 21 to chapter 16, verse four. This is the word of the Lord. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, 
O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on the mountain and sat down there. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Then his disciples said to him, Where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven, and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left. Now those who ate were 4,000 men, besides women and children. And he sent away the multitude, got into the boat, and came to the region of Magdala. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and testing him, asked that if he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather. For the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. This passage lends itself to look at a number of things but we will focus on a few to get our main point. The first thing we can talk about is that everything God does must have a purpose. In the passage we just read, we saw various miracles of healing and one that had to do with the daily need, with the need for food. Looking in more detail, we read that Jesus healed a demon-possessed daughter from a distance, if you will, that involved a Canaanite woman, a person that did not belong to the people of Israel. And we read of the various people Jesus did heal personally when he went to the mountain that was around the Sea of Galilee. It's said that great multitudes came to him to be healed. And this group was filled with the lame and blind and mute and maimed and many others. And we can gather that Jesus healed all of them. And of course, we read of the incredible way that Jesus fed the multitude and that there were over 4,000 people because the men alone were about 4,000, not counting women and children. It is easy to say that there were many thousands of people because entire families had come to be with Jesus. So Jesus did many things, but they all had a purpose. But what was that purpose? First, it was to show that he was who he was and that he was and is the only begotten Son of God, that he is also God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. All of those things that Jesus did were unprecedented, Never before in history nor after has a person done so many miracles and the great variety he had done. There were some miracles done in the past by the hand of God through other men before, but nothing like this. In this passage alone, we read that Jesus healed all kinds of disease and sicknesses and physical conditions, and he cast out a demon and even fed thousands of people. His actions display that he was much more than a man and much more than a prophet. 
Moses never did these things. Elijah never did things like this. John the Baptist never did such things. Only Jesus did. And so that was part of the purpose to show who he was. And of course, his other purpose was to help people. Jesus came to help mankind in every kind of way with every kind of need. Now you may notice that we are using the word need because that is what God mainly looks to deal with, with needs, not with wants and desires and whims. God is not in the business of spoiling people. He fills needs. That is one of the misconceptions that is proliferated throughout our Christian world, that a person can go ahead and request anything from God, and if they have enough faith, that God will do it for them. Many people, for instance, cling on to the following passage erroneously in their attempt to manipulate God, where it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. People interpret the desires of your heart as the things that you want. One of the critical mistakes that many people make is that they will carve out passages in the Bible that suits them, those that are convenient to them somehow, and they will substantiate what they want to do in that manner. And of course, they will assume that God should hear them and give them what they want. But the first question I would pose is, if a person is so fixated on getting something they want, and more than likely it is an earthly desire, are they in fact delighting in the Lord? Is the Lord truly their delight? One thing we always need to keep in mind is that God is no fool. God sees everything. He knows everything. He can easily understand when people are trying to use him. This is what the Lord says. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And so can a person fool the Lord? No, it's impossible. As a matter of fact, God knows your thoughts before you even think them. He knows what is truly in your heart. Now, some people might say, God gives me everything I want. He does fulfill my wants and desires. And I would have to say that if you say that God fulfills your wants and desires, and they are earthly things that do not fulfill needs, nor have any kind of spiritual value, then the conclusion is that God may not have granted you those things. God's purpose in doing things have two distinct reasons. The first that we mentioned before is to display that he is God. But the second is that there must be some sort of spiritual benefit, something that helps the person and those around them spiritually. God is not too worried about the here and now because the here and now is temporary. And even though things here are temporary in nature, God still fills those things that are truly needs in tandem with those things that promote some sort of spiritual benefit. God is not going to give you riches if you ask for them. God is not going to give you harmful relationships if you ask for them. God is not going to grant whims and foolish desires, no matter how much you ask for them. And especially within that, God will never grant a person things that will help them deviate spiritually, those things that will impact them negatively in doing the Father's will. And so if a person gets things of that nature granted, I would then have to say that God didn't give him those things. Someone else outside of the Lord gave them those things, even though they asked God for them. And here's where we all need to be very careful. The devil is a tempter, and he can and will do just about anything to help people deviate away from the Lord. He is the prince of this world, and he can give many things, especially those things that are unfruitful, those things that really don't have any value in them, all with the purpose to help a person fall away from the right path, to help people destroy themselves, 
not necessarily at the moment, but in the end. This is what the Bible says about needing to worry about the end of the path. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. We should always think in these terms. How is this that I'm doing or that I'm getting going to affect my end? Just because something seems good and pleasing at the moment doesn't mean that it will serve a good purpose in the end. And God is always looking towards the end. That's his main focus. That's where he's always looking towards in our own lives. Where will we spend eternity? And what will be waiting for us in eternity? That's why he even said, do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That is God's focus. And if we are smart, that should be our focus also. And everything we should ask God for should center around this, with this end in mind. Everything God grants is focused around this very concept. And so it is easy to conclude that if someone gets something that is opposite to this, then I would have to say that God was not involved with it. It's a trap. It's temptation. And this is what the Bible teaches about temptation. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So you see, the Lord does not provide for things that are counterproductive or harmful. The other aspect we can look at is that there is nothing impossible for the Lord. All things are possible for Him. It's only a question of whether it is in His will or not. But we cannot force the Lord to do anything. We cannot coerce Him. We can ask through prayer with faith, of course, but it is His decision of whether He wants to grant our petition or not. But as far as abilities... Nothing is impossible for him. If he did something in the past, he can surely do it again. As it is written, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord can heal any sickness, disease, and or condition. He can take care of any need. He can overcome any power. He can cast out demons. He can bring freedom to the captive. He can even raise the dead. The Lord is the Almighty. That is one of his traits as the God he is. He does care for us but as long as it does not interfere with the bigger picture for our own well-being and the well-being of others. This is the other aspect we need to think of about this so-called bigger picture. There is a difference between the temporary world and the spiritual world, between this earthly transitory time and eternity. God is not terribly concerned with the things that involve the here and now. This world and everything in it will pass someday. You and I will die someday. The Bible teaches that God will make a new heaven and a new earth. So knowing that, does it even make sense to strive so much for the things that only happen and or exist here and now? In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't make sense. And if we can understand that they don't really make sense, then how can we conclude that God will care for them, especially considering who he is? The eternal is what should matter the most. 
God is always challenging us through his word, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, to always try to let go of the things that don't really matter, to try to let go of things that are temporary and superficial. The Bible refers to these things as vanities. God is not in favor of supporting vanities. And so, having said everything we have said so far, that God only meets true needs to show who he is and to help us with things that truly matter, and that he does not support vanities, things that only matter in this world, then what can we conclude? God can do different things and out of the goodness of his heart, because we don't deserve anything, nor does God owe us anything. But there is one miracle that he is more than willing to do for all mankind, which is the main reason for why he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. He sent his son to help us with the greatest miracle we need, and that is giving us the hope of salvation, of having eternal life. This is the miracle that is most important to us, and it's the one that only God could have ever done. God is the only one that can change the course of our sinful destiny. Many people talk about destiny and that things are set for mankind somehow. Praise be to the Lord that God through Jesus Christ broke our destiny through the sacrifice of the cross. Before Jesus died and was raised from the dead, there was no salvation, not even for the Jews. The sacrifices of old that were done by the Jews were just an atonement, a temporary covering for sins. The sacrifices were never able to take away sin. We were all destined to go to hell because of our sins, for all the wrongs that we have voluntarily committed, and that's all of them because although Satan can tempt you, he can never force you to sin. We sin out of our own free will, and we deserve to die eternally for the sins we have committed. But God performed a miracle, the greatest miracle of all. God gave us the hope of salvation, of eternal life, eternal forgiveness through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is nothing greater and more necessary than this. All of the miracles that Jesus did and can still do today are wonderful and amazing. But eternal salvation is by far the most wonderful and necessary out of everything. Think about it. Money is temporary. World power is temporary. Even though Jesus raised from the dead many people, those people physically died again at some point. Lazarus, for instance, is dead in a tomb somewhere. Also, the world within itself can help deal with some of these temporary needs. It is possible to feed the hungry through human beings. It is possible that others can help other people with their financial problems. Money can solve some problems here and now. Science can heal many people. Some people have been raised from the dead through science, of course, immediately after dying, not after days of being dead. But nonetheless, science has been able to raise the dead. But the one thing no human being can ever deal with is eternal life. What pill or medical treatment can deal with sin? Can anyone live forever on their own? Can anyone make it to heaven on their own strength and abilities? And the answer is no. We as a society cannot even deal with many trivial and simple problems of today. So how can we even think for a moment that we know how to deal with the spiritual world, with things that are far greater, more complex than anything we have in this superficial and temporary world? We can't. Yet God, out of the goodness of his own heart, because he chose to love mankind, he gave us a way, the only way how we could have the hope of eternal salvation. For it is written, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This was ultimately the Lord's mission. This was the main reason for why he came to this world. 
He didn't come to fulfill temporary needs. He came to meet the greatest need mankind had, something that we could never resolve by ourselves and for ourselves. Isaiah 53 tells us of the prophecy that was fulfilled through the life of Jesus Christ, where it says this, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see a seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus came to take upon himself the sins of the world, to make intercession for the transgressors, for you and for me, so that through him, by repenting and converting from all of our sins, and by accepting him as the Lord of our lives, and by living for him, we could find eternal life. For it is also written, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus also taught us that we need to become one with him by spiritually, not physically, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. When we have communion, it is only a remembrance of what he did on the cross, but that is not his body or his blood. They are symbols for our remembrance of what was done. But we do need to become one with him to be able to have the hope of salvation. That's why it is not just about believing. We must live for him, by him, and through him. For Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As a living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And so the greatest miracle we could ever have is the eternal life we can find only and through Jesus Christ.
This is by far the greatest miracle of all that the entire world needs and the main reason for why the Lord came. We worry about many things, and that's only natural because there are many things to worry about. We live in a very imperfect world filled with all kinds of problems. If you are living and breathing right now, you are more than likely have something or many things to worry about. And when a person doesn't have many things to worry about because of our very imperfect state, they make things for themselves to worry about. It sounds stupid, but it happens all the time. The void within our hearts makes us look for our own self-destruction. That's why children that do have caring parents and that have most of the things that they need met wind up getting into all kinds of problems because they don't feel complete. If we don't have problems, we feel the need to create them for ourselves. And that's why we have the world we have today. That is why we need the greatest miracle. Salvation through Jesus Christ makes the way for us to have our greatest need met. We are incomplete as people. We have a major piece missing in our lives when God doesn't live in us. We are not born children of God. We need to choose for the Lord in order to become His son or daughter. For it says, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. He will never force anyone to do anything. That's why it is very logical to think that God will just forgive everyone and have everyone with him in heaven in the end. Why would God force someone that doesn't want to be with him to live with him forever? It is our choice to want to be with him. But when we choose for him, when we choose to repent and convert from all of our sins, when we choose to accept Jesus as the Lord of our lives, when we choose to live for him, the greatest miracle does happen within our own lives. And that is that God comes to live within our hearts at the center of our being. When we have Christ in our lives, we are never alone. He indwells us through the Holy Spirit. That's how we get the ability to do what is necessary to be able to have the hope of eternal salvation. We can't do it on our own. We need God in our lives, literally, so we can be transformed, changed, made into new people through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. This is what happens as it is written. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. That is the greatest thing we could ever have and the greatest thing we could ever need. Emmanuel, God with us. Every single person needs Jesus Christ in their lives so they can live eternally. There is no other way to attain immortality. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you and I worship you, O Lord. I can never say that enough, Lord because you are so worthy, because you are so good. Heavenly Father, we don't deserve anything. You don't owe us a single thing. But yet you loved us to the point that not only that you made us, but Lord God, you gave your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, so we could have the greatest miracle of all. So we could have the hope of salvation. So we could live forever with you. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because you are truly good in every kind of way. Forgive us because we don't understand that many times. 
because we cannot see that clearly because we're so blinded by the here and now, by the temporary world, by the temptation that Satan puts before us. Forgive us, O Lord, because we are many times so close to that truth that we need your salvation. We need your eternal life. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and I praise you. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Help us, O Lord, to value what you have done through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us, O Lord, to take care of that salvation and to use it for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.